The FM Evolution podcast is brought to you by CGP Maintenance and Construction Services. We'll ensure consistently great performance to help keep your business running smoothly. For more information, visit cgpconstruction.com. If you're the protagonist in hundreds or thousands of people's books along the way, if you've helped them at some point, if you've picked them up or helped them, like that leaves a legacy. You're not their whole legacy, but you're a piece of that. This is the FM Evolution Podcast, brought to you by CGP Maintenance and Construction Services, bringing you trends, innovations, and advancement of the facility management universe. Welcome to the Evolution. Here's Sean Black. What's up, guys? Sean Black and FM Evolution. Welcome back to another show. I'm excited to have Taz Sutherland on from Walmart. Now, Taz is a FM, and he's been a Walmart for many, many, many years. Uh, I've been following him on LinkedIn. He has some amazing thought leadership on LinkedIn. And I, I got to say, it's one of the funniest, most entertaining FMs I've met in a long time. So I had to have him on. We talk about legacy, innovation, his passion for food service equipment, some amazing stuff coming up in this episode of FM Evolution. Stay tuned. But before that, here's a word from our sponsor. Did you know that CGP Maintenance and Construction Services are also commercial plumbers? They added the plumbing division in 2000 and have been serving the nation's largest brands ever since. They offer everything from cleaning drains, camera work, and grease trap repairs to full repipes and dig-ups. So when your brand needs commercial plumbing, remember to call CGP. They are ready to be on-site 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They specialize in restaurants, retail stores, commercial buildings, and hospitality. No matter what your plumbing needs may be, CGP is ready. And because they are a maintenance company, they can make the repairs needed after the plumbing is completed as well. One call will do it all. Call them today at 858-454-7326 or check them out on the web at www.cgpconstruction.com. Give them a call today. Welcome to FM Evolution. I am your host, Sean Black, and today I'm excited to have Taz Sutherland from Walmart. Hey, buddy. How are you, sir? Man, I'm doing great. I'm excited to have you on the show. I've been following you for a while now, watching your posts on LinkedIn, and every time, man, you crack me up, you make me (laughs) smile. And not only that, you have a, a bunch of really great information on there. And so uh, I was uh, excited to have you on the on the podcast. I've seen you on a couple other people's podcasts. So uh, welcome to the show. I appreciate you being on. Thank you. It's uh, it's extremely awesome to be here. And thanks for having me. Love it. Yeah. One of the things that came up um, as we were preparing for the show was you want to talk about legacy. And, yep. and I've heard this more and more. It's becoming so relevant and today, right now, as we speak, you know, as people have gone through 2020 and come out the other side, and it was probably one of the worst years that, you know, a lot of people have been through mm-hmm. in, in modern times, for sure. And a lot of people are focusing now on 2021 and legacy. It keeps coming up time and time again. So I want to talk to you about that. Uh, and then we got some great stuff to, to talk about as far as uh, the food equipment industry goes. Um, 
But I wanted to kind of ask you, for those who don't know who you are, if you could give us a little background on you. Yeah, absolutely. Love to. Um, so I'm almost at 20 years with Walmart. I'll hit 20 years this year. You know, granted, they don't, you know, toss me out the door this year. Um, this year might be the year. Who knows? Um, I've been in the uh, maintenance division, the realty and maintenance division with Walmart. Um, we're sort of the um, the behind the scenes operators, kind of keeping the stores running, the health of the business. I started with the building controls division, which basically manages and monitors the health of the uh, refrigeration and HVAC units of the stores. Uh, I moved into the hot side uh, food equipment for their delis and bakeries um, around 2014. Um, in 2017, I moved into the broader um, maintenance categories. So I dealt with also parking lots and roofs, plumbings, electrical, your more generalist type uh, facilities maintenance and facilities manager roles. And um, it, it was in that time that I really, I really definitely kind of came into my own with my sort of passion for food equipment and the food equipment industry and sort of the people that really um, kind of are in that industry and what you can really grow and, and get out of that, that group of people. Um, before Walmart, I, um, I thought I was going to be a journalist. I tried to be, uh, you know, a, a big shot photographer and all that kind of stuff. Um, I didn't quite succeed at that. I wouldn't say I necessarily failed at it, but I definitely jumped out of that after about five years of that. Prior to that, I was living on a farm in North Central Arkansas, um, just a regular uh, farm Joe from Arkansas. I uh, grew up, you know, around cattle and, um, you know, Friday night football. So that's uh, that's basically uh, uh, my uh, uh, story in a nutshell there for you. I love that. Uh for those who do not know, I grew up in the Midwest as well. I grew up in Kansas. We had a family farm. I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We, Four it, o'clock uh, in it, the morning. Up it, is, <laughs> it is a world, if you haven't lived it, that you, uh, I think you should experience. Because it's, it's a whole different way of living and, and a whole different set of beliefs and, and uh, come from that too. And, and oh, yeah. I, I think it's yeah. a great thing. Yeah. Um, I wanted to follow up with you because I wanted to see how did you find your way into facility maintenance? So uh, oddly enough, um, facilities maintenance ended up being that niche that I sort of was drawn to like a magnet. And looking back now, it was obvious how I got into it. Back then, I questioned it every day. I was like, how did I get into this? Why do people keep coming to me for stuff? And I think some of it goes back to, you know, growing up, on that farm, um, you know, I, I said this on Josh's podcast, I've said it on other, plenty of other things. If you had a flat on a tire on a tractor in the middle of the field, there, there wasn't a pet boys to run it down to, you had to figure it out. Um, and so sort of that core of, look, there's not a, you can't just give up. You like, there's still work to be done. The sun is setting kind of mentality whenever I fell into, and I say, I fell into maintenance. I fell into maintenance with Walmart. Um, you know, and I'll tell you how that happened, but I think the reason I stuck with it and have been reasonably successful with it is that core of what, you know, my grandfathers and my dad and my mom and everyone taught me was there's always work to be done. Um, there's always a torch to sort of be picked up. And I mean, one of the big keys too is, you know, you have to understand it's the old, you can do anything. We can't do everything kind of thing. So that torch always needs to be picked up. So if you can't pick it up, you got to figure out who can help you or who can pick it up for you. But somebody's got to get get it moving. 
and that's main like that is maintenance it like that's if you wanted to sum up maintenance in one line somebody's got to fix it if you can't fix it that's fine if you're good at what you do you know who can and so um you know when i decided to get out of journalism um and I probably early 2001, mid 2001, I was shopping around for a job. Um, my wife is from the Bentonville area. And so we had kind of, we were in Fayetteville, Arkansas, which is relatively close to here. And yeah. she's been in and out of the, the Bentonville, um, you know, Walmart. She grew up with it and was actually working for Walmart home office at the time. And she said, look, if you just want to get out and just reset and start over, um, the, the refrigeration hotline is hiring people over here. And I was, you know, early 20 something. So it was like, yeah, you know what? I like, I was burning out fast in that. And I was, you know, it was a spiral thing. So, um, they were paying me a tiny bit more per hour, but it paid the bills. We had a kid on the way at that point. So I was like, you know, Walmart's clearly not going anywhere. What have I got to lose? Um, within two years, they had promoted me to training manager they were like, we like the way you explain stuff. You figure this stuff out really quick. And, and then I had a shift overnight for eight years. And it, it, like, when I say I fell into it, I fell into it. But I think, I think that core, I look back now and it was that core of just knowing how to, it has to be figured out. Someone has to figure it out. Um, it, it is what has, you know, consistently moved the needle for me in maintenance. It's a can do attitude on the farm. Yeah, it is. It has to get done. And you're right. Absolutely. hundred percent. When you need something, you gotta, you know, go run across and get your neighbor and, and uh, borrow his tractor and <laughs> do what you need to do to <laughs> yeah. pull that stuff out. That's what's going to have to happen. But that's in facility maintenance. You're right. In facility management, uh, it is very much a team oriented um, career. And, and yeah. I can see where that would play a key role. And, and what's going on? Um, on our show, we have competition tradition, and I really love asking our guests what they're reading. It's a great way for our uh, FM Evolution fan base to learn uh, about the person that's on the show, but also, um, you know, it continually adds to kind of the culture of what the show is, which is about growing and learning and and innovating. So I'd, so I'd love to kind of listen to what you're reading right now. Yeah. Um, so this is what I, I typically shock people when, when they hear about what I'm reading. Um, I'm very much a rabbit hole kind of guy. So you will get a different answer from me about every three weeks. Um, nice. And shockingly, so it depends on what rabbit hole I'm down. So currently um, at Christmas time, I got a book called The Other Bible. And it's sort of the band collection from the both the like the traditional Jewish and then the Christian Bible. So it's the Book of Enoch and, and oh, sure. some of those. And then I'm also I've also got a book that I um, I actually finally circled back to pick this up. I get books for my birthday and Christmas and stuff, and sometimes I, I forget to get back to them. I just I have tons and tons of books and and not enough time sometimes to get to them. But it's called The Origin of the Scots in the Scottish Language. So a couple of random books there I'm reading, but check back next week. I might be reading a Clive Cussler novel or <laughs> about how F-16s are put together. I, who knows? Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, right now I, um, the, the last semester in college, um, I had a site, um, not a psychology, excuse me. Um, um, what's the other one? Uh, the, the study of the mind, um, 
Um, anyway, I, I got done with the class. It was the wisdom, the power of wisdom was the name of the class. And, um, it really got me thinking about that. And so I was talking about it and they got me that other Bible. So now I'm down a whole rabbit hole, you know, you know, the apostle Thomas. And it was like, yeah, he wrote stuff too. They just didn't put it in the book because, you know, he doubted and there was all these things. And so now I'm reading it kind of as that, you know, they wrote stuff around the same time these other guys did. So what were they writing about? Like, you know, what was going on in their world? So I find it super interesting to kind of, and that's sort of the rabbit hole I'm chasing right now. So. I love that. Great selection. And I, you know, I'll check back with you <laughs> to see what yeah, a rebel you're. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I love, uh, I love when people have a wide variety of what they read and, and uh, uh, I will definitely check those out. That sounds really cool. What you're reading right yeah. now. Um, so I kind of want to follow up that with really hopping into this topic that we we're talking about, about legacy. Um, you know, this is something we wanted to talk about and we've been coming across, like I said, um, quite often now as a theme for what's going on. So I wanted to get your input on what it means to have a legacy and, and what you feel from a facility management standpoint um, is, is really what we should be doing to support those that are coming after us and leave a legacy. Yep. Poor facility so, management. Right, right, right. Um, so, my, so my philosophy on legacy in FM is, is almost identical to what it is in life. And, and it comes around from, you know, I've been on this earth 40 plus years now. So it's sort of a core understanding that in somebody's book, I ultimately will continue to always be a villain. I got to try to ultimately try to limit the amount of people that I'm that for. And I got to shoot to be the protagonist in as many people's book as I can. And then I got to shoot for that ultimate goal to be the hero in at least a couple people's books, right? You know, if you've lived a good life, you're going to be that protagonist in a ton of people's books. You're always going to be a villain. Ultimately, it's going to happen. It's good. You're going to, you think about somebody that's a villain to you. That's that person. You're going to be that. You can't, you can't stress about that. That's going to be, but if you look back and you go, well, there's only a handful of people that I'm that way with, then you've probably just made a few mistakes and you've learned from it. If you're the protagonist in hundreds or thousands of people's books along the way, if you've helped them at some point, if you pick them up or help them like that leaves a legacy, you're not their whole legacy, but you're a piece of that. Mm. Um, so that collectively that talks about that community, like food industry. That's a big thing. When I'm, when I'm talking about being part of that food equipment industry, that's the community. I know a little bit about this. My friend, Josh knows some about this. Rich knows. Uh, I go to Sean for this. You know, we all, we all have our, our little piece of that, you know, legacy that we go. And, you know, at the end of, you know, at the end of my run, there may be five, 10 people that honestly will be like, if it hadn't been for Taz, I wouldn't have got through and I'm that hero. That's the legacy. And I look at my life that way and I look at FM that way. Um, and that's what I shoot for. Um, because I think at the end of the, you know, at the end of it all, and that's your legacy and that's what you've got, then ultimately, you know, who who can sneeze at that, right? Who can say you didn't do what you could do. You didn't do your best. 
Um, and so I look at my life that way. I've got, you know, I've got my kids, my wife, we just hit 23 years back in August, you know, we've been yes, together 25 man. years. Right. So that's a you know quarter of a century with her. My daughter just turned 20. My son turned 16 back in, you know, so I've got all these great things with my family, you know, but, um, it's one of those things. And I tell people this sometimes. So you think of somebody, you think of somebody in your past that they may be gone, right. They may, you may, you know, you may have lost them years ago. Right. But there's not a week or a day even that goes by. You don't think about them like that. You have that moment and you're like, you can hear them. Right. You can almost like smell their cologne or, you know, their favorite fruit or they always had a whiskey or whatever it was. Right. Understand that at some point, if you're doing the best you can, right, to build a legacy, the best you can with what you can. Right. Ultimately, you're going to be that person and somebody right someday somebody's gonna someday somebody is going to be every single day going you know i remember taz and his you know coffee cup or i remember taz and that crazy stupid beard he had in the pandemic lockdown <laughs> all right you know what i mean like it's always <laughs> going to come back and put that smile back on their face so you know you push that and so when you build on that in your job you know walmart pays me to be something, to do a role. So I think of that and I try to be that protagonist in as many people. So if I see a team member struggling, right, I give them help. What are you struggling with? Why are you struggling with it? Can I help you with it? Well, no, I'm just frustrated with this. Yeah, I hate that thing too, but you know what? We've got to, here, let me, you can't pick up that torch by yourself. Let me help you, right? So we got to move that forward. We got to move that forward. And ultimately at the end of the day, because I'm shooting to, be that protagonist in as many people's books, help as many people finish their chapter and the novel as they can. Ultimately, at some point, I will end up being somebody's hero. Not what I'm going for. That sounds selfish. Like I want to be the hero. I just know that ultimately I'm going to save somebody someday just by trying. Um, but the goal is to help them through a day, right? Or a minute, five minutes, help them through a meeting. You know, I have a ton of people that are like, you know, I saved them in a meeting one time, right? Um, Never done anything else, you know, for them since then. But there was that one time that I just happened to have that information they needed in a, meet, in a meeting and they just happened to be sweating it out up there at the PowerPoint. Um, you know, they'll remember that. They'll never forget it. And, you know, so now you're in chapter 17 of their book. You know, Taz Sutherland, you know, had that, you know, that stupid pie chart that I needed. And so... When you start talking about maintenance and the legacy that you're leaving, that's what I project on people. When people call me, they're like, hey, I have this problem and I just know you have the answer. Well, actually, oddly enough, I don't have the answer, but and that's when you'll hear me say, if I don't have like if I don't have the answer, that's when you'll hear me go. But you know what? I know this guy, Sean Black. Or I know this guy, Josh Dolan. I know this guy, Toby Dobbs. I know this guy that does. Hang on. Let's let's make that. Let me take two seconds. We'll make that connection and we'll get you taken care of. Um, and that's the reason, like, that's the legacy that I've built over 20 years. And, and I love that. And that's um, sometimes I, I feel like I don't get much rest from it because people call me constantly, but it's not, I, it's not a bad thing, right? Like it's, it's really, really good thing. People look at you and that's sort of the legacy that, that I've built and, 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 and worked towards. What a great, definition of legacy coming from a journalist standpoint yep. <laughs> and that go. is so spot on 
I love the way you lay that out. I, I love, I love the way that you, you, you know, you're understanding that we all have roles to play and we all have different, uh, we all affect people's lives and sometimes very profound ways. And sometimes we just don't even know how we have no idea how we touch people's lives, but I know I'm a firm believer much that you are, that we are touching people's lives and we just have no way of knowing how uh, amazing our, our impact is on that person. I've had people come up to me um, in recent years as I'm in my forties now, 45 <laughs> and uh, they'll go, Hey, Sean, man, you, you were, uh, you blew my mind. You helped me so much. I was at an event one time where a guy came up to me, he says, you inspired me so much. And when he was in his twenties, I was in my thirties. Uh, and, and he was, uh, uh, he inspired me. He, he had changed so much. The kid, when I had first met him was just, you know, he was struggling. It was not on the right path for, you know, for him. And, and, uh, you know, I had talked to him and I don't remember exactly what I had said to him. I don't, I had, I don't know, but for him, it was so crazy impactful that it changed his life in an instant. He's on a different path. So I love your, your explanation of legacy. Uh, it's so cool. And, uh, I, I'm glad you, you were able to describe it that way because I think yeah. it's super relatable to people. Yeah. I, 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 my goal is I now to for. be a protagonist. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I that mean, if you really were, cool. if you were helping somebody, like I said, help them write a sentence and start there, you might help them write a chapter. It might just be a sentence, but you know what? It's, it's, it's all forward progression. We're all writing a story. We all want that, you know, 80 year volume, that 90 year volume that somebody picks up and go, wow, when I'm 80, like I want to be, I want that. So, you know, and, and, and I know sometimes you, you, you listen to that, right. And that's a little bit of the id and the ego kind of coming out and going, yeah, that's me, but <laughs> you know, it's, it's a little bit of it, but, um, also keep in mind, that's sort of an internal, you know, human thing where you, um, you know, if you turn that around and, and don't let it become straight arrogance as much as you just want to be part of the human evolution as we grow and, and increase. And, you know, I can tell you stuff that didn't exist 10 years ago. I can tell you stuff that didn't exist 20 years ago. I remember my granddad telling me stories about stuff that didn't, you know, exist a hundred years ago. And, you know, we are, we are moving forward. And, you know, I, I tell, you know, my son and I, he's 16, he, we've had conversations about, you know, that this pandemic, what's going to happen. I, I worry about this and that. And I said, mm -hmm. look, we're, we're moving forward. I said, we're moving forward. We're going to get through it. And I said, yes, I've never seen us locked in like this before. I said, yes, I, this is an odd one. Um, but um, we've gotten through it before. Um, I, I will tell you after nine 11, like I, I was on it. That was probably the first time I had truly honestly been scared about, you know, militia type invasions since, you know, you know, the government has good and scared in the eighties. Like if you grew up, you, you know, you told me how old you were. So you yeah. grew up the same era I did, yep. you know, worried the Russians were going to paratroop in and, you know, <laughs> take over with AKs and everything. And, you know, now that we're old enough to know, it's like that, that was never going to happen. The Russians were never going to be stupid enough to try to invade us. And we were never going to invade them, but you know, they had us bound up for a decade worried 
that, you know, the Russians hated us all. And, um, you know, um, so I told him, I said, we're, we're getting through it, you know, and that's, that's my, that's me creating that legacy, right? I'm helping him write that. Cha- like he can't finish that chapter because he's so worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. And I'm like, look, I said, we're fine. You know, we got, we got the COVID in our household back in November. So we, we've gone through that and we, we lived, we, we were fortunate that I, my mother-in-law, she's 71. She lives in the guest house in the back. She got it too. She's still back there, you know, slamming my doors yep. and breaking stuff. So, yep. I mean, it's all good. Yeah, my, she's still here. <laughs> my parents got it. They're, they're making their way through it. You know, thank God. Yeah. And it's been crazy. That actually leads me to a question I was going to ask you, which is obviously 2020 for us is a, is a, an incredible year. Uh, it has been like some of the most challenging. Some people came out on top. Some people, you know, they really struggled. And our generation, we've gone through so, so many things in our lives. You know, 9 11, all the wars, desert, you know, desert uh, storm, and I your fear freedom, and all the different presidents, and the first. All these different firsts, it's just like, it's almost like it's too much. <laughs> right. <laughs> they got to go there like, what now? But we all have lessons to learn through all those things. And so looking back at 2020 for you, what, if you have one, what do you think is your biggest takeaway, your biggest aha moment? Um. So I always, like, I always knew this, this was always something that I, you know, kind of worried about. I think, I think anybody worries and and sort of self-assesses themselves on this and worries about it. But um, I was a little surprised at some of the struggles with mental health that myself and some other people had. Mm -hmm. Um, And I say surprised, I guess I, I was and wasn't surprised. I think, I think I was expecting to be at home. That would you know, I think a lot of the times I thought that some of the mental health, when I thought I was upset or super anxiety or anything like that, you know, I thought maybe that was just the fact that, you know, when you've got senior directors that at work standing over your shoulder, I thought maybe that was just overflow and, you know, I'd hit a weekend and calm down. And I think one of the biggest ahas that I learned was um, in my drive to work, you know, and, and I, I used to always tease my associates um, when I worked overnights as their manager, it was a hotline. So it, if you've ever worked a hotline, nobody calls in because they want to chat and they're happy. Yeah. They call in because there's a problem. <laughs> yeah. And then it's overnight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something's on fire. Somebody shot a hole through the roof. Like you never know. Right. It's just, it's constant chaos. And then you're the manager, right? So you can't be upset. You got to no. keep it together for you 15 calm them down. Yeah. And then on top of it all, somebody in their brilliance thought that 6 PM to 6 AM 12 hour overnight shifts was a great idea. <laughs> um, so, <Yeah. laughs> so for eight years I did that. And on the way home, I had this thing, I used to call it dashboard confessionals. And I would just, I mean, if my truck was an actual living being, it would have left me years ago. It would have divorced (laughs) me years ago um, because I just, I would let loose. I would pull out of that parking lot and I would have my favorite heavy metal album going and I would just scream for 30 minutes all the way home. And then I'd pull in the driveway and I'd walk in. I'd be like, Hey family, that's home. (laughs) Depressed. Yeah. And um, I think that was one of the biggest ahas was that 
that where I was able to just disconnect and like nobody needed anything from me for those 30 minutes. Nobody like, you know, um, that was one of those things that I definitely, I don't miss working in the office. I don't miss people, you know, you people come and put their butts on your desk and all that crazy stuff that gets annoying and old after a while, but boy, that, um, I definitely miss that, you know, 30 minutes in a car, just being able to just, you know, let loose, shake the steering wheel. Surprised I didn't shake it off a couple of times. There were a couple of times I, I probably should have checked in on the old, uh, you know, anger management there, but maybe that, <laughs> maybe that's a good technique. I don't know. But, um, well, um, actually, that was definitely uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I believe that is a great technique. Listen, that is one of the things that I think a lot of people are really come to realize over this last year is that we need our self-care. We need to take this, that time for us. I certainly have over this last year, uh, I've been able to to take some time and and uh, for me is my backyard. Poof, I'm out. I got you know the area back there. Take some time and uh, and just kind of reset. And so, what a great Agreed. what a great moment. What a great understanding of uh, of mental uh, health is. It is super important. And yeah. you know, for a lot of people, um, mental health is very serious and and and, and challenging. And if you don't take care of it, it becomes a big problem. Yeah. Great takeaway. Yeah. Great takeaway. I love that. Yeah. So and, definitely, and definitely get some help. If you, mm-hmm. yes. like, I, so far, I'm again, it's one of those things. It's like getting COVID. I, I got through it. I'm lucky. Um, I, the mental health thing, I'm, I, I got through it. I got lucky. I got a wife that loves me. I had kids that, you know, keep me sane. And it's all great. I've had my moments, but I'm good. Um, but there's people out there struggling. I worry about people that live alone. You yeah. Know? I worry about them. I truly, I'm, I'm somebody who's relatively, you know, I'm very into like, I, I have a lot of empathy for a lot of people and I, I get a little anxiety sometimes worrying about people that are, you know, like me, they used to disconnect on the way home in the car. And now it's like, they go from their bedroom to the living room, bedroom, bedroom they don't have anybody, you know, they're just get, by themselves and I worry about them. So get a dog, man. Don't yeah, you get, get, yeah, get a dog, get a chameleon, <laughs> get a dog, they're something. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So listen, we're going to hop into um, food in, food equipment industry. I, this, I know this is your passion about this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know it's a big part of your position, obviously, at Walmart. And uh, I want to kind of get your feedback on, on trends that are going to be seeing in 2021, especially now with all the post-pandemic challenges and stuff we're going through. Um, tell me a little bit about what, what you're seeing. So, yeah. Um, I, so one of the cool things that we got to see, um, it wasn't cool that the restaurant industry has kind of suffered as much as they have because they have um, servers and a lot of restaurants were shut down and sort of thing like that. But I think if you look, really start to look at a lot of these restaurants and what they've done to, you know, cope and start to bring cash flow back into their businesses, I think you start to really see that internal innovation that you see in the restaurant and the food service and sort of that hospitality industry. Mm-hmm. Um, that is sort of what really draws somebody in. And once you're in that, once you get into the food, once you're, once you're bitten by that, you kind of stick in that, you know, Anthony Bourdain was one that was famous for talking about that kitchen is the last, like, I don't remember his exact quote, but he talks about it's the last great place for that rebel where they really can just be themselves in the kitchen um, and so there's a lot of these places that they're like, look, I got, 
you know, I got 12 people waiting on people on tables and now I can't put people at tables. Oh, 10 of them have cars and they're willing to drive to people's houses. Guess what? We're delivering now. Um, boom, we're still in business, right? And so starting to look at these innovations, kitchens. I remember a year and a half, two years ago, ghost kitchens was like the hot thing and um, people were starting to talk about it and and kind of, you know, is are you going to have capital to do it? And how do you get started in it? And then all of a sudden, restaurants are shut down. You get commercial equipment. And like, so let's do it. Let's do this ghost kitchen stuff. And um, I know there's a there's a restaurant here that is famous for their Italian. You know, they do the handmade Italian and all this kind of stuff. Um, there was a um, place down the road that um, they couldn't afford to keep their place open with the rent and everything. And the guys went over there and they were like, Hey, look, realistically, you make homemade pasta Italian style. We make homemade pasta Vietnamese style. Right. And so now they're back there working in tandem. This guy's making, you know, Durham wheat pasta. This guy's over here making your buckwheat and your pho pastas. And um, they're delivering pho out the back door of this Italian restaurant. And they're delivering Italian food out the front door of this restaurant. And it, it's become this ghost kitchen. And you're seeing that everywhere. So these ghost kitchens are, are taking off. And what will be cool, what's really going to be cool is when we do recover from that, we can't actually go back in and sit down in a restaurant. You're going to walk into an Italian restaurant and have the best Italian meal you've ever had. And unbeknownst to you, um, you're going to have beef ramen <laughs> running out the back door like crazy, you know, and beef pho and, and you know, and, and everything else. And I love that. And and so you look at the restaurant industry and, and there's a lot of innovations that are coming. Um, there's a lot of hard lessons that people learned about space constraints and how to you know, use, you know, efficiencies and that sort of stuff. And, and Walmart's even doing that as well. Um, we've, we've kind of, we've pulled our menu back from, uh, I forget how many items we have. We've, we're down to 12 to 14 items now. So it's to make it simpler for that sort of grab and go model. Um, we always, we always was kind of the grab and go model, but we're trying to get it not so focused on that. We had the big tops where you could get mashed potatoes and mac and cheese and nice. they would sort of serve it to you. Now they're, they're prepackaging it. Right. And so you just grab it, just grab it and go, grab it and go. Um, you know, and it, it's one of those things. Um, it, it keeps us, you know, Walmart's fine. Like, you know, I always talk about that, you know, I, there's no worries from what Walmart's going to do just fine. Um, but, um, you know, even we have altered, you know, our kitchens, which aren't traditional kitchens, we don't have seating and, and tables and all that stuff, but right. um, we're still, we're still throwing food out the doors. And, um, you know, a lot of, um, um, there's a lot of that collaboration going on in the, in the food industry. So, um, service companies, um, that's a big trend too. Service companies are starting to really, um, you know, they had several months there where, kitchens were closed. Yep. If you're not turning on your oven, you don't break your oven. If you don't break your oven, you don't need a service tech. And so there was a lot of companies that have learned the hard way too, unfortunately, that, well, maybe I need other than just the four McDonald's I serviced, you know. Um, so there's a lot of the industry that's starting to diversify and, and they're starting to build partnerships. Rich and Rich Maliki and that Fed Network, man, that's um, that whole thing right there, that whole partnership is blowing up. They're over 700 members now. 
Um, I mean, it's huge. We we actually started. Rich and I started a discussion last week about um, the communication with the customer and the FMs and the service managers. Um, we're talking about once we get out of twenty one or twenty twenty into this twenty twenty one, and we get through this COVID. If there's nothing we don't pull out of this other than how to talk to each other better, um, then we're just not, we're not doing it. We've got time right now. Like, yeah, let's be smart about this. Um, and so one of the big things we're talking about is let's start talking to the OEMs. Why do we have so much trouble working on your, you know, let's and let's not just bash them. Right. Let's not just be like your thing is hard to work on. Service techs. Why is it hard to work on? Well, this is crammed back in the back corner. And it's riveted on. Well, let's do, you know, let's, let's have those conversations. And so the food industry as a whole took such a huge hit that the innovators, right. You know, invention is the mother of all necessity or sorry, I said that backwards. Necessity is the mother of all invention. So that, I mean, I think the trends we're going to see in this next couple of years are going to be just flat amazing. And I can't wait for it. And I'm, I'm, I'm along for the ride. Yeah, I know. It's so cool. I, I, this show is so much about innovation. And there's a couple of key things that you said in there that I kind of wanted to, to hit on. For us this year, our theme really is, um, it's not just communication we're wanting to increase, it's understanding. It's really deep understanding of our clients, deep understanding of our guests, deep understanding of our vendors. Uh, and like you said, if, if nothing else, that's what we should be able to take away from this is that there's such a disconnect where people and people was always like, well, it's, communi- it's not communication. It's a lack of understanding. And so yeah. I, that's something I wanted to throw out there is like <clears throat> people should really take time to, to focus on understanding. And then the other thing on trends that I don't know if you're seeing, but now is uh, those ghost kitchens are popping up, but also virtual kitchens yep. where, where people are like, you know, Mr. Beast and his burgers are, are going out there and they have celebrity brands that, they don't have a restaurant. They, yeah. you know, they're going out and the, the order's going to, you know, you know, Joe's Crab Shack or, or you know, Billy Bob's uh, barbecue. And he's putting yeah. together a burger that's for Mr. Beast. Yep. You know, so yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah, there's interesting. Some, yeah, there's some crazy, crazy stuff. And I actually saw something very similar to that the other day. Did you know that you can, there's a site you can go to now and you can blend your own whiskey? No so, way. Yeah. So you... Like if you want it a little more salty or a little more smoky or a little more like you just basically and when you go on it, they got a little graphic and you you just keep clicking how many milliliters of smoke. And then so like all the that's what I'm looking for. I'm I'm geeking out waiting for that stuff to hit because I'll be buying that stuff. I just tripping over it. (laughs) That is so cool, man. Yeah. Innovation is amazing. And, uh, you know, in the food industry right now, they're being hit so hard. They have to innovate. Uh, and, and so that's, that's really cool to hear how you guys are innovating there at Walmart and, and what's going on with the, in, with the industry as a whole. We really have to. Um, well, what I wondered also is I wonder if you could talk a little bit about Walmart's culture and how it's been effective, you know, this last year going through 2020 and, uh, and what that's been like. Yeah. Um, so one of the, one of the things that I, of course, I've always loved about Walmart. Walmart is, Walmart's a huge corporation, right? So admittedly so there are a few things that we'll always struggle with, right? Cause we have millions of employees and gosh, I think we're up to 5,300 sites in the U S alone right now. Not to mention, I think we're 
closing in on 20,000 globally or whatever that number is. I, I can't remember that there's too many numbers to remember these days. Right. Um, but one of the, one of the key culture points that you, um, you're not only sort of taught and is promoted at Walmart, but it is, it is part of the culture. Like you, you sort of get into it and you feel good about it is, you know, Sam Walton sort of started like his business was founded on, I need to get a reasonable price product to people who aren't typically able to get a reasonably priced product. Right. So the first Walmart popped up in Rogers, Arkansas, not little rock, Arkansas, a bigger city, not Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is two hours away, but this little small town in Arkansas, because he goes, I can get a good deal in New York city. I can get a good deal in Los Angeles, but this poor guy that's living in Rogers, Arkansas is paying twice for a shirt that you will in Los Angeles because it cost him the same amount as the shirt to get it shipped to him. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and then it's in, you know, it's in Nordstrom's or whatever, whatever Benjamin Franklin, I think was who he was working for at the time. Um, So that like that key culture of getting a product to someone who needs it and then not not marking it up to rob them, just marking it up so that we can keep the doors open. Um, that culture sort of really popped out again this year. Walmart increased, you know, Walmart immediately, like when we got, you know, our associates back in the stores, they're like, look, you're essential. Um, we love you for going back in there and opening the doors and dealing with the customers who are now mad. You got one's mad that you have to wear a mask. You got one's mad. You don't have to yeah. wear, they don't want to wear Like you got both sides of that and they're dealing with that. People are throwing toilet paper at each other in the aisles. Like they're just going nuts. Right. So Walmart's like, Hey, here's a bonus. You're working your tail off. Here's a bonus. Right. They restructured the pay on some of them. Like some of these individuals are now, you know, team leads and they've gotten a bump in pay and they're like, we appreciate you. And the, the entire leadership staff of Walmart hasn't been in their offices this year. They've been going store to store and just being like, look, I'm out here with you guys. I'm putting toilet paper back on the shelf with you. And so that culture. And then with the whole, like Walmart has the cash, even if we lost money this year, we have the, like Walmart has enough the reserve. Yeah. Doors open. Right. So we kept our doors open. So we still, we got the toilet paper back on the shelves. We got the, you know, the damn rotisserie chicken back on the shelf. I'm sure you've heard me talk about cleaning those. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we got those back on the shelf, right? So you can go and you get your toilet paper, your rotisserie chicken, and your, your Hormel chili, whatever else you want, right? And um, we kept those doors open and we kept people safe. And we, you know, we bought all this equipment to sanitize and we, we got people sanitizing and, and we're keeping our associates safe and our vendors safe and, and our customers safe. And we're doing all of these things. And, and Walmart never, ever, ever went to the board going, okay, now this is going to cost us this much down the road. So we need to start tallying it up. They went the hell with down the road. There's a pandemic on, get it in the stores and start like get the doors open. And so that culture, that piece right there is key. Um, And so we, we kept our Walmart stores open. We kept our Sam's clubs open. Um, a lot of these restaurants, which I love and are near, dear to my heart, rely on Sam's to go get their bulk, yep. you know, food items, their bulk serving items. And Sam's is known for a lot of their food service, grab and go items, right? Your, you know, your styrofoam clamshell plates and exactly. all that. We, we sell all of those in 
1500 to 2500, you know, um, uh, count packs of those small so restaurants. restaurants they, they count on never, that. They need that. Absolutely yeah. need that. Yeah. Yeah. So now we've got the doors open and then Walmart was pushing sort of that delivery option and that pickup option. And we were definitely aggressively pushing that, but then now all of a sudden, instead of having a customer touching all the aisles and the shelves in the store, we have them select on their phone what they want and we take it out and one time touch the back of their car and then we get away from them. Like everybody wins in that. So Walmart's like the delivery and the pickup is online now in all of our stores Um, online. We just, we pushed it. We pushed it. We pushed it. We pushed it. Um, There were hiccups. I know people, I'm sure people had strokes and heart attacks and lost hair over it, Um, but it's there. And um, you know, that's the Walmart culture. Those people, those people didn't have a stroke because Walmart worked them too long and made them do it. They did it because they were like, by God, I'm part of this team and we're going to hit that. We're going to hit that marker. And so that's the Walmart culture that, you know, that has kept me around for 20 years and don't get me wrong. I, I had a rough year and maintenance was a rough year and people, um, you know, that I'm used to, you know, consulting with and stuff like that. It's been a rough year and I've definitely, you know, I've definitely pulled some hair out this year off the top. I mean, I'm <laughs> still growing down here for whatever reason, but, uh, um, you know, we've all had a stressful year, but we've, and we've made huge strides. So um, I, I think that's the key with the Walmart culture is Walmart's like, hey, the community is suffering. So, um, you know, I, you know, we'll sacrifice our profits this year and 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 make it happen, um, you know, so. That's outstanding, man. Hey, man, those are rotisserie chickens. I'm telling you what. Oh, you got to uh, have those. You got to have those. Mm-hmm. It's dangerous not having those in a store. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, we're going to wrap up here. I got a few more questions and we'll get out, okay. running out of our time here. Uh, and, but I want to ask you, uh, you know, of all the things I have kind of going on here, there's, there's really kind of a, a theme in the last few questions, which is, you know, you have a great sense of humor <laughs> and, and as a part of that, it, I, you know, has that been, um, critical for you as you went through this year and, 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 and helped your team and really, you know, spend time with them. Those posts, I know because I see them on there, the people are following those and, and they look for them. Hey man, even I stalker alert, right? Even yeah. I'm like watching you. I'm like, I'm looking for those posts. I'm like, Oh man, I didn't see yeah. this post today. It's oh, there it is. o'clock, man. He's having a bad day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There it is. Here it is. And so uh, <laughs> that became one of the things during this pandemic that I was really, uh, locked in on. And I was like, Oh, this is so cool. Um, yeah. what do you, uh, how do you feel like that that played a part for you, you know, in this, in 2020? So a lot of that was, um, I attribute a ton of that to my dad. So, um, and I, and it's funny, my wife says this to me all the time. She said it for the past 10 years. Um, She's like, God, you sound like your dad. <laughs> you just, that was a, you know, my dad's name was Dan, right? So I hear her all the time. She's like, boy, that was a Dan joke. If I ever heard one, <laughs> my dad was famous. I would say famous regionally for his pranks and jokes, right? So I, I grew up with that. In fact, at a young age, my sister and I were were oftentimes part of elaborate pranks that my dad would pull. Um, I remember one time my mom worked at a, um, a, like a drive-in, like, um, 
like a diner. Yeah. Um, and he had called them up and he did this spot on impersonation of some sergeant in the U S army and that they would be there in 30 minutes with six busloads of soldiers and they needed 950 cheeseburgers. And he, no way. and he, yeah. And he was watching mom from the, like, this was the eighties, right? So he was watching from the payphone outside and just watching them scramble. But that was my dad. So I grew up with that. Right. And so as I got older and I, you know, I've been an adult and I'm making a living, I've got kids now and, and, you know, I lost, and so I lost my dad in 2012. Right. So he's, you know, I've, you know, I'm now the, I'm not, I'm now sort of the patriarch of the family. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm the, I'm the family name that lives on. I own the family farm now and all of that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm now the Dan legacy, right? Like I'm the legacy of, of my dad. And, um, you know, so it's funny. I just naturally have sort of melded into that joking that he is always famous for. And it's funny. Um, cause a lot of times when I get good and I'll get mad about something around here and then something gets said and I find myself laughing at myself or something because I'm, I'm being stupid. And not half the time I'm like, yeah, it's dad just pulling a prank on me. It's one of those things like you ever, you ever notice that when you're, when you're good and mad, that's the only time the pockets of your cargo shorts will catch on the drawer. I mean, you know time. what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like on the doorknob, you know, on everywhere. Yeah, yeah. every time. Seriously, yeah. every time. <laughs> I love that, and I love that that is a a legacy from your dad. And yep. uh, I certainly know for it. And we talked about you know how we touch people's lives. That your your posts and your personality and, and that has come through this year certainly for me has been really cool to watch, and and I know for many many others too. So thank you for doing that and keep that oh, yeah. up, man. Keep that up. I will. Yeah, I definitely. I'll, 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 I'll double my efforts now. I, I will definitely, I'll get, I'll get back in it hard. So. Good. Well, wrapping up here, I want to, uh, I, I would love to know if you could give one piece of advice for facility managers this year going into 2021, what would it be? So um, I saw this question and I honestly, I get asked this a lot and I, I try to be consistent, but every, it's funny. Every time I get asked this, I end up coming <laughs> up with a different answer, um, which maybe that's part of the legacy, right? Maybe that's part the of the involvement yeah. of, of, of it. Um, but I think after this year, I think the biggest thing I think we all need to realize is the facilities manager role is always going to be needed. Um, the good facilities manager will always have a, a, a place in this world, there's always going to be the need for the good facilities manager, but here's the, here's the advice, the versatile facilities manager, the facilities manager that has figured out how to be versatile, not an expert. Don't try to be an expert, try to be versatile. Right. And I tell people that all the time, don't be afraid to say, I don't have your answer, but I know a guy, I know a lady, I know a team, I know company for that right if if you're in the service industry and somebody calls you and they're like hey i've got this equipment down and your team does not touch that it there's no harm in you right off the bat going hey look my team typically doesn't work on that but i tell you what i got this guy and this guy here this company this company they work on that stuff they're friends of mine here's their phone numbers tell them i sent you because here's the deal 
all that does is build your profile and then it builds friends profiles because when they get in that bind and they go, you know what? I don't work on that, but my buddy, Sean, like eh, he, he's all about that. Why don't you talk to him? And that's, you know, that's that versatility. Um, you know, people talk about that. They're like, man, I, I throw a parking lot, you know, because my customers, my store managers, when they throw a problem at me, all they see is answers. Yeah. So they're like, this guy is on top of everything. Well, that's versatility. Here's the deal. I don't know half the stuff I'm spitting <laughs> back to them. I just know somebody that does. And that's the, that's the value of a versatile facilities manager. And that's what a facilities manager is really supposed to do. They're supposed to be that sort of, you know, key contact. Oh, hey, you're about to buy that oven. So just so you're clear, that oven in your environment is not really what you need. And here's why. Like, let me, that's beautiful, right? But, you know, they're like, oh, well, I don't get it. And I'm like, let me put it to you this way. If you were going to be a truck driver, yeah, okay, I get it. I can understand that. Would you buy a Ferrari? No, that's stupid. Okay, that's what you're doing. There's nothing wrong with a Ferrari, but you can't you can't pull a trailer with it, right? Well, not for very long. I mean, you could for a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. it has the horsepower, right? Um, so that's my it's like this is the year. If you if you're doing well in facilities, learn how to be versatile, you know, get on LinkedIn get on my network, get on the fed network, get in RIFMA is a good one, right? Like people are like, well, I'm not really in the restaurant industry. That's fine. Restaurants have roofs and plumbing and electricians yep. and parking lots and parking lot stripers and sign people and bricklayers. Like they're buildings too. They just have a lot more kitchen equipment than, you know, H and R block does. That's it's it. no different though. <laughs> it's no different. So um, that's my thing. If, this is the year we're at home. You got extra drive time back. Figure out how to be versatile. Be versatile. Open your network. Talk to people. Great advice. I love that. Yeah. Well, I love that fact that you, that question keeps adapting and, and changing too, because that's life. You know, yep, absolutely. And, I, and today's advice, be versatile. It, it's super relevant. Thank you for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Happy to do it. Let me know when you want to do it again, man. I will. I will. And I will keep a lookout for those, those posts. <laughs> yep. Definitely. Awesome. Thank you, Taz. And for all those Thanks, who are watching on YouTube, Hey, don't forget to give that little bell a click. So you get notifications for our new videos. And of course, subscribe. If you like what you're seeing and you're learning from people like Taz, Hey, click on there, subscribe. And, and we'd love to, hear more from you if you're listening on iTunes or any of the other channels where you get your podcasts, give us a like, but also feel free to leave some information there. Comment. We'd love to hear from you. So until next time, Taz, thank you so much, buddy. We'll see you then. Thanks y'all.